Well, good morning. You know I do this to you every time, tell you how bad you are at that, so let's do it again. Good morning. All right. Good to have you here this morning. This is one of my favorite times of the year, the week between Christmas and New Year's. It's a time when, at least for us staff, we've been running really, really hard, especially to get to that Christmas Eve service and make sure everything goes really well. And then I tell the staff, hey, guys, take it easy. Take this week, chill, reconnect, rebuild, connect with some friends, some loved ones, and just remember what it's like to have maybe a normal life again. Just hang with some people you love. And, and I think we all need to do that, especially in this week, because while the holidays can be fun, they can also be filled with challenges, let's say. And one of my favorite examples of challenges is found in a clip from the movie called Instant Family. And I relate to it so well because this was me growing up, but I'd like you to watch this clip with me. Hey, what do we have here? What's this? It's a what sewing machine. What do you think? No? You don't like it? Robot, buddy. Little, look at this big box. Dude, it walks and talks. This could be my house. What about the presents, guys? crazy if I got a robot. I'm, I'm playing with that robot. Hey, guys. Wow, you really like cardboard boxes, huh? I mean, is anybody interested in playing with a giant dollhouse that took me three hours to assemble? Did it come in a big box? Yeah, it did. Yeah. It came in a big $200 box. <laughs> now, I can so relate to that scene. Not because... I remember experiencing that as a parent with my two boys and the things they do, but because I remember my own dad having so much frustration with me and my two brothers and my sister, we would take those boxes and we would build anything our young minds could imagine. I was always building UFOs or a fighter jet. I'd put sticks and knives and forks in the side for controls, and we'd build all kinds of fun things. Um, so there's always been a little bit of challenge around the holidays, but today I want to spend some time about talking about something similar, but yet very, very different. Um, Here's something I know. When we're healthy, we take life's challenges, the hurts, the, the disappointments and such, mostly in stride. There are just speed bumps along the road of life, and they might sting, and they might cause us to detour. They just get absorbed, though, as part of our journey. It becomes part of our story, part of our life. But when we're in a prolonged season of challenges, of obstacles, of frustration or hurt, a seemingly small additional challenge could knock us off into the abyss. Have you ever had one of those seasons in life when when you looked back, you thought, yeah, that one about killed me. Work was crazy. It was constantly demanding more of you than you were able to give. Or you were just forcing your way through a career that you lost passion for years and years ago. Or your health or the health of a loved one took a bad turn. And the setbacks, they just don't seem to end. They keep coming. Or your marriage was dying before your eyes. And you couldn't even seem to care anymore. Let alone find the energy to fight for it. Maybe you're at a close relationship that fell into tension or distrust and it just weighed on you daily. Or a child, you have continued to make poor choices over and over again and your input was resented. 
So all you can do is watch your child self-destruct. And there's so little you could do about it. And when two or more of those things happen at the same time and they stack on each other, then we just find ourselves completely overwhelmed. Have you had a year like that? Some of you have bookmarked your lives by years, by those years. That year was so etched into your life in such a way that you will never, ever forget it. You've even adopted language where you delineate things before that year and after that year, before that event or after that event. That was the year before my divorce, before the financial collapse, after the accident, after I lost my mom, after I lost my grandchild. That was 2012. That was 2008, 2009. Did you have one of those years? I know some of your years. 2012 was one for a couple of families that were really, really hit hard. 2009, the financial collapse that took so many of you out at the knees. When we think back to those years, there's this this numbness that kind of sets in. And we just get tired thinking about them. I have three years that I remember, 2004, 2009, and 2012. 2004 was just adapting to a very different and new life uh, when then our 13-year-old son got into an accident and got paralyzed. And both of us, Chris and I, we turned 40 that year. Tough year. 2009, just after being awarded the National Retailer of the Year, the financial collapse, collapse took everything from my in-laws, their, their real estate, their company, including the building that housed the business that I was president of and my wife was CFO of. And I remember meeting with each of 130 people, sitting down with them one-on-one and telling them that their job was ending. I'd do everything I can to help them find a new job, but we were all wrapping up, going to be finished. We couldn't fight the collapse any longer. That was one of those seasons I looked back on and went, That one about killed me. What's yours? What was the year? For some of you, it's 2019, and it's fresh. Or maybe you're still going through it right now. If you had or are in or will be in some prolonged time where something is just spiritually, physically, or emotionally draining you and killing you. There's a name for that. And it's called burnout. In researching burnout, I learned that in early 2019, the World Health Organization updated its classification of disease handbook to include burnout. What was defined as just a stress condition is now seen as a medical condition. It's as real as diabetes, as cancer, as a blood clot. And psychology today says burnout is a state of emotional, mental, and often physical exhaustion brought on by prolonged or repeated stress. And they go on to say that it's not simply a result of working long hours. They go on and they say this. The cynicism, depression, and lethargy that are characteristics of burnout. And all of you, some of you are going, oh yeah, I remember those three things. They most often occur when a person is not in control of how a job is carried out at work or at home or is asked to complete tasks that conflict with their sense of self. 
Burnout accounts for $190 billion of healthcare spending each year. Gallup, in their polls, said 50% of all Americans say they've been burned out once or multiple times in the past year. And they also found that a quarter of us say we live our lives there every day. Every day we're in a state of burnout. And we are a nation of physical, spiritually, and emotionally burned out, exhausted people. And some of you think, oh, that's not me. I've not been burned out. I just buck up and get her done. Well, you might be right. Or you might be delusional. I suggest you ask somebody who loves you dearly and knows you well if you've ever been any of these things for a long period of time. I remember when I first told my wife after she lovingly confronted me on some of these things. Um, I said, "Hun, it's, it's just a season. And I got that look, you know, that look. And... It wasn't just a season. It was a new normal. And when we get used to that new normal and something else comes along and we just kind of layer it on top, it becomes another new normal. It's just a season, we say, and and we press on and we get sicker physically. We're deprioritizing relationships and we're isolating ourselves from those who we should be connected to. And... She knew it. She knew what I meant when I said it. Because when it first started, she understood. Chris protected me. She tried to keep encouraging me. She took on some extra stuff at home so I could focus on the stuff that was burning me out. But when the days turn into weeks and the weeks roll into months, it can't sustain. And it's not a season anymore. And what was true of me then also became true of her. And when both of you are in this place at the same time, it, it sucks. So are you there? Or are you on the road to burnout? And if you're unsure, do any of these indicators sound familiar to you? If it's just a season is a common phrase of yours, you might be on the road to burnout. If you find yourself zoning out and when someone has to get your attention, they have to say your name two, three, or four times, you might be on the road to burnout. If you find yourself just staring at your phone wondering where you are or what you are gonna do next or just looking at the copy machine for 10 minutes, you might be in burnout. Or you might be having a senior moment, but that's another conversation. If you look up at the clock and you've been realizing that you've been on Instagram or Facebooking or checking the ESPN scores for the last hour, hour and a half, you're probably in burnout. If you lash out in anger over stuff that you know is not a big deal, you might be burned out or on the road to it. If you find yourself obsessing over people's lives, her life, his wife, their kids, her job, their minivan, Okay, no one, except for Brady, obsesses over people's minivans. But if you're obsessing over someone's minivan, you are definitely burned out. (laughs) Or psychotic. (laughs) If you're there, though, 
Today's talk is for you. If any of those things sound familiar and you can't even imagine the sound of silence anymore, this talk today is for you. If there is no margin left in your life, this talk is for you. My wife, and I'm picking on her today, sorry, hon, she described it to me this way. She says about burnout, she says, it feels like you're walking along the edge of a cliff, knowing that the, the next puff of wind, the next negative comment, the next relational problem will just push you off the edge. And the anxiety and the fear of going off that edge just never lets up. If you can relate to that, this talk is for you. In just two days, the calendar turns. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. So often we look to the new year and we begin to list our goals. The things that we're going to do and the things that we're not going to do. And if you're like me, all they do is add more stress to my life. It's just, it's more expectations. It's more potential failures. It's more potential disappointments. I don't like that. So as we hit the new year, can we get on the front end of our burnout? Can we do some things proactively to stop us from getting burned out in the first place? Or if we're in it, are there some steps we can take? And what, if anything, does God have to say about doing that? The question is, is there hope for us who are burned out? Or is it just a season that's going to last our entire life? My hope is that you'll leave today with this weight off your chest and some next steps to a better season. So, does God have anything to say about burnout in our lives? And the answer is no. <laughs> See ya. Um, the answer is yes. And it may surprise you because it's something many of us have dismissed because it was used as a hammer against us in the past. It feels outdated. It feels irrelevant in the 20th century. It's old covenant. It's old school. It's so grandparents-like. Um, for many of us, it was a good thing that turned into something that was so legalistic. It became all about following the rules instead of experiencing the benefit that it was intended to bring. So what is this thing? It's called Sabbath. All right, I know some of you just cringed. I saw some going back there. Some of you had memories of parents yelling at you for washing your car or for on Sunday or for riding your bike or, God forbid, swimming on the Sabbath. We're always told we would drown if we swam on the Sabbath. Um, God, that was so wrong. I lived many times, by the way. Other, others of you are thinking, well, that's such an churchy word. I mean, I don't even get what that word means. So have patience with me. One is we get past your past, and the other group who's just thinking this is churchy, just let's get past that word and see what God's intention is behind the word. Because I think you will find, if you see God's intention for the Sabbath, it's liberating and it's beautiful. So what is Sabbath? It's a fancy word that means day of rest. We see it as part of the word sabbatical, which is an extended period of rest, but Sabbath just means one day of rest. 
Christians call it Sunday. Jews call it Saturday. America calls it the weekend. And God calls it your day of rest. It's listed in the Big Ten. It's one of the Ten Commandments. But it's one that we often just see, as I said earlier, as old school and so non-American. I mean, we need to work hard and we need to work long. And days off, wow, they're for the week. And we look at the other commandments, and for some reason, we see those commandments as pretty solid. Don't kill a dude. Don't go to bed with your friend's wife. Don't drive off in that new Toyota 4Runner from the dealership like I wanted to do. Those still make sense in 2019, and I think they're still going to make sense in 2020. They don't seem so old school. But a Sabbath? Taking a day of rest? Well... It just doesn't seem quite as weighty as the rest of those. And truth is, we don't like commandments. We don't like being told what to do. We don't like rules. So let me help you see them in another way. Instead of thinking about thou shalt not or thou shalt, hear what God is really saying. He's not putting a finger in your face. Picture him him coming up alongside of you and putting his arm on your shoulder smiling, looking at you, saying, I love you. And I got some commandments and some instructions for you, but just hear them this way. I love you and be careful because if you do some of these things, you're going to get hurt. Be careful. You're going to get hurt. You go to sleep with a friend's husband, I can forgive that. But let me tell you, you're going to get hurt. You murder somebody, you're going to pay a price and it'll hurt you and it'll hurt the ones you love. You lie, you cheat, you steal. Man, it's just going to come back and bite you. Listen to me, don't do that. You never take a rest and enjoy all this wonderful stuff I've created for you. You skip a Sabbath, you're going to pay a price. It's going to hurt you. And you will not have the full life that I intended for you to have. In fact, there is more written explanation on that particular commandment than there is on any of the other commandments. It has the same ability to debilitate our lives as murder, as lying, as stealing, as adultery. And God is telling us, and Jesus also affirms for us, So that it's not just this old covenant thing, it's also a new covenant thing like we've been talking about. Jesus affirms for us that we need to take time to rest. That taking one day to not go to work, to not go to the to-do list, to not catch up on all the stuff is going to be a healthy thing and you'll experience the life that God intends for us. So, is it possible that taking a day of rest each week will dramatically enhance your life? Well, let's go to the beginning. In the first chapter of the first book of the Bible is the Genesis. And in Genesis, the author of Genesis shares this creation story. And in that story, God creates all kinds of things. And he says, it's good. And then on the last day, he creates male and female. And he stands back and he says, this is very good. And then what does he do on the seventh day? He steps back and he says, I rested. And then I blessed that day. From now on, that day is going to be holy. Here's how it reads. 
By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because it, on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So most of you had heard the creation story. And I find this piece very, very interesting. That he instituted a day of Sabbath before the fall, before Adam and Eve bit the apple, before sin came into the world, in a state of perfection, with the world in perfection, he stopped working and said, we need to rest, and we need to enjoy the things that were made. So in a perfect world, God took time to enjoy what was made. If he had enough value to create it, it surely must have enough value to enjoy it. Sabbath is God's command for you to enjoy your life. God wants you to enjoy your life. And should that surprise us? Remember Jesus' mission statement, John 10, 10? I have come so that they, you, may have life and you may have it to the full. Really? God, are you sure you don't want me just going around feeling sorry all the time for all the bad stuff I've done and feeling guilty for the things I've done? No. That's what the cross is for. That's why we call Good Friday, Good Friday. That guilt has been taken away and we don't need to live our lives that way. Why would Jesus ever go to the cross for us? Because God is good and he wants you to not be struck and carrying all that baggage behind you. He wants you to enjoy your life. There's an expression in our culture that we often hear and I heard a pastor talk about this a while back and I absolutely loved it. He said, for the love of God, that's the, that's the, the saying that we often hear and normally it's used in a less than positive way. You know, for the love of God, do the dishes. For the love of God, take a bath, you know? So, and that's kind of wrong and manipulative. But in the context of what we're talking about today, I think it's perfectly accurate to say, for the love of God, enjoy your life. It's one of those ways we can show our love to God. Even when life is hard. Even when we're burned out. I mean, God, God is not naive, he knew us. He created us. He knew we would push life to the limits, push life hard, and eventually we would spin out in exhaustion. And so because he's good and because he loves us and because he wants us to enjoy our life, he tells us to take a time out, a Sabbath, before life puts us in a time out. Sabbath is a weekly opportunity to do nothing but enjoy him and the things that he has created, the very good things he's given us. So, by the very love of God, enjoy your life. For the love of God, one day, stop working. Stop doing things. Stop putting away your to-do, or put away your to-do list and don't check your email. For the love of God, on one day, go for a hike, go to Ada Park, hit the North Country Trail. It's absolutely beautiful between Middleville and Caledonia. You gotta try it sometime. For the love of God, get on a mountain bike and ride. Jump in your kayak and paddle. Put on some snowshoes or cross-country skis. You'll experience more about God with a few hours in nature than you will throughout the week. For the love of God, 
have a good laugh with your kids. They're going to grow up and they're going to measure you, not by how much you worked, not by how much you accomplished, but what kind of time and how much time did you spend with them? For the love of God, eat a donut <laughs> or a piece of pie. I mean, come on. It was created for you. God would say to you, for the love of me, take a break every week and enjoy the things that I gave you. I have this picture in my mind, kind of comes from this movie that we watched, but of God on Christmas. He's handing out gifts. He's placing gifts all around us kids. He's been doing that all year long. And yet here we are. We're plodding along, we're on our phone, we're busy, we're wound up on things, and we're walking past all these gifts. We don't even open them. At least the kids were playing with the boxes, but we don't even open the gifts. And I see him just with a tear in his eye going, I love you. I'm doing these things because I know you're burned out. I've given you these gifts. These things are all for you, but yet you don't even see them. Please just look. So here's the invite from Jesus. Matthew 11, Jesus, as recorded by Matthew, says this, Come to me, all you are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, living life my way, you will rest your weary souls. And if that sounds good, why wouldn't we try it? Now, I know some of you are still thinking, really? I'm not comfortable with this view of the Sabbath. Isn't the Sabbath all about restricting what we can do and making sure that we do sacrificial things and avoid having fun? No. The Sabbath was intended to help people not burden people. Here's a quote from Jesus. Jesus is walking with some friends. He's hanging out with his buddies. They're on the Sabbath, and they're hungry. And they come across the field, and there's some grain in the field. So Jesus walks over with his friends, picks some grain off the field, and begins to eat it, and busted. The religious rule leaders of the day caught him working on the Sabbath. And they took one of his own commandments and threw it back at Jesus. He said, you are working on the Sabbath. And they're accusing him of violating the Sabbath. And Jesus, first of all, he begins to chastise them. He talks a little about David, some things that happened. And I can see him in this story turn his head toward those religious accusers and lock eyes with them and say this. The Sabbath, this is the exact quote, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's like he's saying, come on, you legalistic rule followers, don't you get it? You're missing the point. The point of the Sabbath is for our health, our benefit. It's time carved out, not so you can check off a bunch of stuff on a checklist, but so you can enjoy the life that God has given you. It is made for you. Sabbath doesn't demand something from you. It offers something for you. So, if you're up for taking a run at this Sabbath thing, um, how might that fit in your life? 
I'll tell you how Chris and I are trying to do it, and you're going to have to adjust it to your schedule. We started trying this a few years ago. Um, we fail miserably sometimes, but this is our attempt at it. So for us, our, uh, our Sabbath is split between two days. Chris owns a retail furniture store. I work in a church, so her weekends are often busy, including Sundays, and mine tends to be a little busy on Sunday morning generally. So uh, we get up early, we work hard on it, and then come Sunday afternoon, later afternoon, we kind of kick back. We, uh, we try to do something fun. We engage with some friends. We just wind down. We might watch a movie. We just hang out. And then Monday morning comes along, and we get up, and we just, you know, enjoy each other. Not, don't go there. Wow, that came out weird. We jump in the hot tub, talk, have breakfast together. Maybe jump in her Jeep and do some four-wheeling or we'll go for a motorcycle ride or play some golf or we just enjoy the things we have. Even our backyard, our deck, a hammock. So that runs until about Sunday late afternoon. And then come evening, Chris has her Krav Maga martial arts class she goes to. I kind of re-engage and do whatever we need to do to get ready for the week and do some things around the house. But in order to make all of that work, I need to prep. So on Saturday, I take a good chunk of the day getting the things done that I know need to get done so that I can enjoy that time period, Sunday and Monday. All the heavy yard work, the yard projects, uh, home repair, toilets. Yes, it's my job in the house to clean the toilets. Um, all of those things that need to get done so that on Sunday... When church is all done and you all go home and we decompress, I can enjoy a Sabbath. Now, that's how it works for us. Now, maybe for you, you have a different schedule and you probably do. So maybe it looks something else like you work hard at your career stuff Monday through Friday. And on Saturday, you get the non-career things done. You're preparing. The house is clean. The yard is getting mowed. The bills are paid. The broken toilet's fixed. So then Sunday, you can just party. You can do what you want to do. You can hang out with friends. You can wake up and not just have a good cup of coffee. You can wake up and have a great cup of coffee. Nothing marginal. Maybe you need to eat raspberry white chocolate pancakes with bacon for breakfast. And then you come here, and you come to Keystone, and you get to hear about life and how to live life better and learn more about yourself and more about God. And then you just engage the day and do all kinds of fun things, whatever you love to do most, whatever fills your bucket, and do that. If you're a student, maybe it's a day, then you put the books down for the day and do something that fills you up, that brings life into your life. If you like disappointment or frustration, you can watch a Lions game. If you're an introvert, you can go read another podcast, catch up on a book. Or if you're like me, you just love people and hanging out with friends, you get together with some friends and have meaningful conversation. Not talk about the lions, but talk about life stuff. Preferably, while doing it over a piece of Grand Traverse Pie Company peach pie with the crumbs on top, maybe chased down by New Holland's Dragon's Milk. You know, i just saying... What do you love to do and do it? It's not going to go perfectly, but I want you to try to do it and do it with gusto because here's the goal. At the end of the day, when your head hits the pillow, you can look up and thank God 
for a good day and for being a very good God. And God will look and say, well done. You actually noticed. You actually enjoyed. You actually appreciated the gifts and the things that I have given you and blessed you and the things I've set all around you because now that's a day well spent. And Sabbath helps us to retrain our hearts and our lives. It allows us the space to find gratitude and to make some sense of our lives. So is it possible that God had a good idea? Can you picture what that day might look like for you? And then would you look forward to that day all week long? And would our burnout begin to burn away if we had a day each week set aside to enjoy life, to rest and to heal and to enjoy? So here's the challenge of 2020. I would love to challenge you for the whole year, but I'm just going to do a two-month challenge, and I'm pretty convinced it'll last a while. Just start with the months of January and February. Intentionally make and observe a day of Sabbath, whatever that looks like in your schedule. It doesn't have to be a certain day. And if you work at it in January and you find stride in it in February and you begin to see how you will be changing emotionally, spiritually, and physically, I guarantee you will see results that will make you love life more. And if you don't, Then go back to your craziness. Go back just hammering at it 24-7. But if you do experience what God says you will experience, you will begin to enjoy life more. So earlier today, you laughed when I said, for the love of God, eat a donut. Well, I meant it. And all of you can start today. I have 600 Krispy Kremes set out in the gathering space after this service so that you can take your first step in pleasing God. So go forth, live life, and eat a donut. Would you please stand? Let's close. Father, we are, we are sorry for the seasons of life that we just fly through and we miss the beauty of your creation. The life-giving relationships that you put in our path, the people that you send into our lives, the gifts that you repeatedly give us that we just walk by. And during those times of burnout, we thank you for not abandoning us, even when we've abandoned you. Thank you for putting people around us to encourage us and to speak truth into us and to pick us up and to love on us. And if we are burned out now, God, give us the courage and strength to intentionally today begin to set aside a day of rest. Give us the willpower to see that it will help us to enjoy my life more. And give us the willpower to stop trying just to catch up on all the things we're behind in. They'll always be there. And through that, God, bring us to a healthier place in life. Enjoying friends, enjoying life, enjoying family, enjoying the strangers that we meet and converse with along the way, and most of all, enjoying you. And in doing that, I believe we will enjoy ourselves better and like living with ourselves better. So may the donut today 
be our first step to a new and changed and enjoyable life. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming. Glad you had a good year. See you next year.